Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 16. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your direct connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe and Your Immortal Reality. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host. And one of my great pleasures... One of my great pleasures in life is to be able to say, ladies and gentlemen, here's the star of our show, Gary Renard. <laughs> hey, Gene, how you doing? <laughs> you know, I, I try to think of new things to say, but it always boils down to the star of our show, because you are. Well, thank you, Gene, but, uh, you know, we all know who the real star of the show is. It's the man with the voice, the voice that America loves. <laughs> the voice America loves. Yes, I'm the best kept secret in show business. <laughs> the celebrity nobody knows. But there are thousands of podcasts. I actually do get a lot of email from people about our shows. They usually actually they're usually letters to you that people send to me because they know my email. Uh, <laughs> but no, I get a lot of great comments from people, and many of them are, are personal. To you know, they say, "Oh, Gene, I love your work. You're so funny." Blah blah blah. Say, yeah. How come producers and, and agents they never they never hear these shows? But I, I I so much appreciate that. I really do. But yeah, you and I we have a great we're like a, like a comedy team. What did we say the other day? We said uh, we'll be the the <laughs> if we ever both become ordained ministers will go out on the road as the irreverent reverends <laughs> <laughs> that would work i think so <laughs> yes yeah, we certainly don't have a problem on the enlightening part of the lightening up of, of what we do that's that's for sure hey you know something i forgot to mention in our last episode is that we have sort of without even realizing it we've celebrated our first anniversary buddy did you know no that? Case. Yeah, it was back around, it was around either late October or early November of 2006 was when we did our first podcast. So we've actually passed the one year point at this time. We're into year two of the Gary Renard podcast. Well, that's excellent. Yeah. That's excellent. Do you have any uh, resolutions for the second year of this podcast? Not uh, a damn one. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, as you know, and, and as people have often, the only real criticism that we get is people say they want more podcasts, make them longer and, and more frequent. So uh, we're well, gonna, we're going to be working on that. As we said, we've uh, kind of changed around our uh, our technical setup, which hopefully will enable us to turn things around quicker. That's mostly on my end. The production will become much more streamlined if this all works out and continues to work, which I think it will. Uh, and then yeah. hopefully we can get out. Maybe we're going to try to shoot for, don't hold us to this, folks, we're going to try to shoot for like two a month. That would be really good, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think we can do that. And uh, yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, uh, I think we should just let it happen. I don't have any uh, goals or resolutions for this podcast, except that I would like to drink more. Okay. But, uh, aside from that, <laughs> yeah, I think that, uh, I think you can make that. You can manifest that, can't you? That's a secret. Yeah, you know, I'll visualize it. But uh, no, seriously, we can um, we can do two a month, and uh, I think it'll be a lot easier now. The craziest part of my travel schedule is over, mm -hmm. and I'll still be traveling a lot next year. But I won't be doing as many long trips. You know, it'll just be more like uh, shorter trips instead of longer ones, which makes it a lot easier. You know, to keep up with things. Yeah, because last year we had a, your European uh, excursion that actually you were there for quite some time. And then you had a number of, like, sequential trips. You'd go to one place and then to another and then to another. So you were kind of bouncing around so much. And, that, you know, uh, it's great that you're able to do that. But it, it is a lot of work for you. And it, it kind of makes it tough for us to do our scheduling. Yeah, and it makes it difficult uh, to write, too. Uh, doing this third book has been, 
I think, a much bigger challenge than the first two, simply because of all the traveling and all the other things that mm-hmm. you know go along with uh, being a you know busy author that most people never see. But that's okay. It's just that uh, it doesn't make it easy to you know to get a book done. So uh, you know, I think once this uh, next book is done, I'm going to feel like I'm on vacation <laughs> or something. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, give us a little update. I know a lot of people ask about the third book. When's it coming up? What's going on? So you got any little uh, any tidbits to tell us about how things are shaping up? Sure. It's uh, scheduled to be released uh, September 1st of next year. And the thing about uh, being with a big publisher like Hay House, they publish so many books that they like to uh, get a book from you, oh, you know, like eight or nine months ahead of time. Yeah, and uh, that's because yeah, they have to kind of like get your place in line because they have all these things that they do, you know, the cover and the publicity and sending it out ahead of time to people, you know, to certain people, and uh, you know, you got to proofread it and you know, which is my responsibility. And, and there are a lot of uh, you know little things that are involved in publishing a book that you know most people never see, and they like to have the book way ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm you know working hard to try to get it done by the beginning of the year. You know, right. within a month and a half or so. And they also yeah. need a lot of lead time on your project so that they have time enough to put out the next 12 books by Wayne Dyer before yours. That's right. They'll put out the, <laughs> not to mention the 15 by uh, Sylvia Brown. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah, I, I've known Wayne for a long time. Wonderful guy. As you know, I'm, I'm a huge Wayne Dyer fan, so I, I'm just kidding him. But, boy, he is Mr. Mr. Prolific, you know. <laughs> but he's great I stuff. Like I love Wayne. He's great. Yeah. And, and Sylvia, too, darling. Now everybody hates me. So no, I'll get nasty letters from Wayne's people. No, I'm, I'm, but you know, I'm totally kidding. We we live near each other. He'll come start stalking me, which I've done for years with him. No, I'm totally kidding. You've met everybody. You've even met like Deepak Chopra. I have. I've worked with Deepak several times, and when he sees me, oh, I remember you. No, he's a he's a great guy. Real real entertaining guy when he's on stage. He's, yeah, I haven't I seen have, him a couple I, years, uh, but he, yeah, he's. Uh, yeah, yeah. I haven't met Deepak. Uh, I've met. Uh, I've met most of the uh, very popular authors. Well, you get to rub shoulders with them at all those Hay House events that you get invited to. That's true. We get to have, like, these author dinners. Uh-huh. Like, I sat down for about three hours with, uh, you know, Esther and Jerry Hicks. Who, yeah, you uh, spoke uh, very highly. You liked them, didn't you? They have a good sense of humor, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the things that I like about them. They're very easygoing. They like to laugh. Right. You know, they seem very down there. earth very real uh, to me. That's not the case with every author. No, no, that's for sure. But but a lot are the nice ones are. Yeah, yeah, the, the few nice ones. You, um, I'm I'm wondering, do you, the few, <laughs> the quotes. Oh, people are going to be taking stuff out of context from this podcast, and they're just going to rake us over the coals for it. That couldn't happen. No, no. It's but it's all a forgiveness <laughs> opportunity. I was going to mention. Um, I I know that there was a. I don't know if you've worked with Michael Mirdad. You know who he is, right? Oh, yeah, I know Michael. Do you know him personally? Oh, that's right, yeah, because we were. Because I was going to say, I've been friends with him for a long time. He's a guy who's just really great to be with. Great, great, great hangout without, you know, aside from his work, which is wonderful. But, yeah, that's right, because he was at the uh, that Universal Lightworkers Conference where you and I both were at the same time. So we actually were yeah, all together. Yeah, in fact, uh, I'm going to do that again uh, next June. Right, right here in South Florida. We'll, uh, we'll have to uh, all get together for that. Absolutely. We'll be playing some and, music uh, at that one as well. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Michael. He's a good guy. Uh, one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite guys out there is uh, Greg Braden. Ah, well, you know, I know Greg for a long time. I haven't seen him in a while, but he uh, used to have one of his homes was here in South Florida. I knew him and his wife, yeah. Yeah, Greg's one of those guys, when you meet him, you know, you can just tell he's, uh, 
someone who really cares about you. You know, he really cares about people, mm-hmm. and uh, that's really nice to see. You know, there are just certain certain authors who you meet who strike you as being authentic and uh, very caring, very loving people. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely say that uh, he's one of my favorites. Yeah, very warm guy. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're certainly promoting everybody else. Hey, you know. Here's an idea. Let me promote some of your work, Gary Renard. Uh, you know, because you've got both your books, obviously, The Disappearance of the Universe and Your Immortal Reality. Also, The Disappearance of the Universe is available as an audio CD set. And that makes a wonderful gift for two other yes, reasons. Yes, uh, guess, guess who plays the voice of Arden? I'm not sure. Who, who, Gary? It must be someone very, very talented. Uh, yeah, actually, his name is Gene Wogart. No kidding. I've heard of him. He's great. Not to mention uh, Doreen Virtue. The lovely Doreen, Dr. Doreen Virtue, yes, is uh, she plays the voice of Persa, portrays the voice of Persa, and, and, and I portray Arton, and you portray Gary, and you do it very well. Well, you know, I, I auditioned a lot of people, but <laughs> I chose me. <laughs> We're glad. I think you made the right choice. Uh, yeah, that's a six-CD set, so that's actually pretty extensive. Um, that's available. And then you have other stuff that you've done on your own with uh, Sounds True, right? You have a couple of collections uh, through them that are available? That's right. Uh, if you go to my website and uh, kind of go to the, uh, you know, the link where it says order books and CDs, scroll down a little. You see it says order uh, audio CDs. That'll take you to Sounds True, which is a really good company. And I have two different audio CD programs with them. Uh, one is called Secrets of the Immortal. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the longer uh, program. I actually just went in and spoke for like seven hours and kept going. And they recorded the whole thing. And it also includes uh, the meditation that is kind of like the original form of prayer that's actually a meditation that I do in some of my workshops. Mm-hmm. That's right on that uh, audio CD called Secrets of the Immortal, so you can actually do it with me. And then there's another one called The End of Reincarnation, which is a shorter program. And uh, both of those are available through Sounds True, and it so happens that I'll be doing a third program with them in March, ah. which will be released uh, just about the same time as the third book will be released uh, next September, so I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Uh, go to Gary's website, www.garyrenard.com. And I don't know if people realize you named that website yourself. That's right. It took me a while, but I, I thought of the name myself. You're a creative fellow. Uh, there's no getting around that. So I anyway, try. yeah, the, but they're great stuff, obviously. I think probably, uh, well, I don't know. I was going to say probably most people listening to the podcasts have read your books, but maybe not. You know, we, we attract people through iTunes and through other you know avenues that they come to hear the podcast, and maybe this is the first time. So by all means, uh, Disappearance of the Universe was the first book. Uh, it's probably better to read that one first, but you could read them in either order. They'll, it'll still work. Great material, very readable. As people say, very entertaining, and yet really getting to the core message of A Course in Miracles and making it very understandable. A lot of people have mentioned that, that uh, either they had some familiarity with the course but they found it maybe a little too too difficult to get through or they're just kind of leery about trying to start something that they perceive as as complex certainly your books are a wonderful springboard for people because it really makes it very approachable uh and and not frightening and entertaining at the same time yeah and uh i really have to acknowledge eugene because this was your idea to do this podcast and uh you know, you asked me to do a podcast, and I said, you know, what's that? I mean, I didn't even <laughs> really you know, know what it is. And uh, I've been amazed at the feedback that we've gotten from all over the world, you know, because of these podcasts and how far it's taking the message. 
mm-hmm. and uh, really is having an impact. You mentioned iTunes. Uh, we're very often in the top 15. Yeah, we've iTunes. been we've been highly ranked in the spirituality category over there at the iTunes store, and uh, that's that's nice. That's nice to see, you know. So I'd just like to thank you for thinking of uh, doing this. Ah, uh, buddy, anything for you, my pal. No, it has Thanks. been great, and it's it's been wonderful for me. I, I, as I have mentioned before, and I'm very sincere about that, I get a lot of emails who write to me as the producer, I, you know, and some of them are just to say how much people really enjoy what we do here, and, and we're getting emails literally from all over the world, Asia, Australia, I've had some stuff from South Africa, Europe, you know, certainly as well as America, South America, Canada, Mexico, Mexico, um, and we really, really appreciate that. It's it's That's what makes it worthwhile. Obviously, these the, the podcasts are free. We don't make money directly from them, that's for sure. But knowing, I mean, really knowing that it reaches people, touches them, and it's something that they find very valuable as well as enjoyable, that that makes it all worthwhile. So, um, yeah, it's a great thing. And, uh, you know, thank you for the opportunity to work with you on this. As you know, we we were friends long before the podcast, but this is great because we, we force ourselves now to have nice personal conversations and we just let everybody listen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, I understand that we've also been getting a lot of questions from people. Yes, we have. Like for me to answer. We, as we talk about the questions for Gary, um, and as I had mentioned a while ago that I said, you know, and, and people are nice. They actually, the, the questions slowed up a little bit in coming in because I had mentioned that a number of times that we're just backed up. At first, we just got this avalanche of questions, but people love it. I'm glad we can do it. I know in our last episode, we had so much to talk about. We didn't get to questions. We are going to today. And uh, a couple of them are older ones. A couple of them are, are a little more recent. We're going to do our best to, to move through them and try to pick stuff that, uh, uh, that that everybody is going to find enjoyable because it's not just for the person writing the question. One thing I hear from people is, I love the questions. People are asking the questions that I want to know about. So when Gary answers, he's answering for a lot of people who want to hear this stuff. So, uh, so that's really cool. You want to do one now? Sure. Hey, let's jump right in. Because I got to tell you, this one came in uh, in September, so it's not not too old. Because trust me, folks, some of them are very old at this point. Uh, <laughs> but in September, we got um, a note from Ryan. Our buddy Ryan from Toledo, and he sounds he sounds like he's had perhaps a little a little espresso uh, upon writing this. He's he's animated, so I'm going to read it in kind, and then we'll let you respond. So this came into dear Gary and Gene. I know this is a very hot topic in spirituality these days. The other side, Gary. I'm wondering if you will address in detail what the other side is and how it fits into your teachings. I know it was stated in Disappearance that the other side is an illusion as well, but not much more was mentioned. Then you asked Artin and Persa in your second book about the other side, and they said that they'd give you a tour. What's up? If our souls go there, I want to know more about it, my main man. That's a direct quote. Even if it is an illusion, this question has not been asked, and I cannot believe it hasn't been brought up yet. Come on, Gary! And here's the P.S., Gene, I know you're interested in this question also, so just skip all the questions that other people ask that can be answered from Gary's books, and let's go to the interesting stuff that has been left out, baby! (laughs) Thanks, guys. That's from Ryan from Toledo, Ohio. Thanks, Ryan. Hey, Gary, what do you think? Gene, it sounds like you're the guy who's on Espresso here. It's just that, just that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a voice actor, and I'm able to portray the emotion that the person originally wrote it with. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. But I have had oh, some coffee. You know, I did have a cup of coffee earlier. That might have helped. All right. What's the deal with the other side, Gary? Well, you know, uh, the first thing you got to remember is uh, that A Course in Miracles teaches that all of our time is spent in dreaming. You know, it says all your time is spent in dreaming. So it's like, you know, we dream that we're born, 
And yes, it seems real, but that's a function of uh, what a course miracle skull's levels. You know, it's like uh, you could say that uh, when you wake up, that seems so much more real be because it's a function of levels in order to trick you into thinking that it's reality because it seems so much more real than the dreams that you had in bed last night. Mm -hmm. So when, when you dream in bed at night, your nocturnal dreams, you're actually dreaming that you're dreaming. Then you wake up, that's the dream. Everything's a dream. Uh, of course, Miracle says you are at home in God, dreaming of exile, but perfectly capable of awakening to reality. So it's like uh, you dream that you're born, you dream that you have this life, you dream that you go to bed at night and you dream, then you dream that you wake up, and you dream that you have a day, and you dream that you have this whole you know thing that we call our life. Then at some point you dream that you die. And you dream that your body stops and dies, but what happens then is that the mind keeps right on going, so you keep dreaming. And that's why uh, they said in Disappearance that the afterlife, which some people might call the in-between life, you know, that's an illusion too, because all your time is spent in dreaming. So that's a dream. You dream that you have this in-between life, and then you dream that you're born again. And you dream that you're born into a different body, and it seems real, but it's not, because it's all just a projection, which is what... Uh, your dreams are that you have in bed at night also. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of like, you know, what you're seeing is a projection all of the time. It's never really there. Right. It's like in a movie theater, yes, it looks real, but it's not really there. And so it's all the same. It, it may look different all the time. It's actually all the same. It's all the same projection that never stops until you wake up. Then when you wake up, the projection stops. But you mean truly uh, wake like, up, when you truly wake up to the... When you truly wake up, when you achieve uh, enlightenment, uh, at that point, uh, you would be kind of like returning home to God. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the experience at the end of that time, your reality would become an experience of being one with God, so much so that the world would barely be there for you. It'd, it'd be uh, like the body had become the figure in a dream that it really is, which means that it would be very light, you'd barely be able to feel it. Mm -hmm. uh, it couldn't be hurt in terms of uh, feeling pain. Yes, you could destroy it uh, in the dream, but there wouldn't be any pain because, as A Course in Miracles says, you know, the guiltless mind cannot suffer. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the dream, it's, it's such a different experience, and then when you, you know, finally uh, pass away that final time and make your transition, the final transition that you make is one where you uh, never come back again. You just lay the body aside for the final time, and your permanent reality becomes one with God. So you just be become one with God. You awaken from the dream. Uh, if you wake up from a dream of time and space, then there is no more time and space. Right. You know, it's like uh, when you wake up from a dream in bed that you have at night, you know, where is the dream? You know, it's gone. And this dream is gone, and what you awaken to is reality. And uh, you awaken to perfect oneness, which by definition would mean that everybody else is already there. You know, I used to think, uh, Gina, I'm going to wake up and then I'm, I'm going to have to wait around for a million years, you know, for these slow bastards. <laughs> and, uh, and no, you know, you wake up from a dream. Because time is part of the dream. What you awaken to is perfect oneness, which means that everybody else is already there, not as bodies, but as what they really are, which is spirit. Mm hmm and uh, that's why Jesus makes uh, such esoteric, you know, comments in the Course, like, uh, you know, when I awakened, you were there with me. You know, he, he doesn't mean you as a body, he means the real you. Mm -hmm. You know, he means the you that is perfect spirit, that has never really left. And that's what you awaken to. 
So it's very much uh, like the idea of, you know, you're, you're asleep in bed at night, and that becomes your reality. You think that the dream is real. It's only when you wake up that you realize that you never left the bed. Right. That you were there all along. So it's almost, could we, I was going to say, could we uh, almost say that the uh, your nighttime dreams are really sort of a dream within a dream, and perhaps the between-life situation is sort of a dream alongside the dream is that um, but the bottom line is it's all dreaming and none of it is ever real that's right you can think of it as kind of like uh serial dreams you know at one point uh the course refers to uh the serial adventures of the body right and that's what it really is it's just one dream after another after another all a part of the same dream mm -hmm. even when you're in bed at night dreaming the dream will change you know from one one phase to another to another phase to another phase and that's the way it is and uh, you know you wake up and it seems so much more real but it's not it's just a you know a trick uh, which is a function of levels which do not exist in reality and it's only when you wake up and go home that you're there in reality and uh, the dreaming ends and uh, there's no more perception it's it becomes kind of like an awareness of perfect oneness mm -hmm. you know uh, which is exactly the way the Course describes heaven. It, it describes it as the awareness of perfect oneness and the knowledge that there is nothing else. You know, nothing else outside this oneness, nothing else within. So uh, it's, it's really just important to remember that everything that happens within the realm of perception, anything that you can see, anything that has a shape or a form, which would certainly be the case in the in-between life also, you know, anything like that is a part of the dream and is not a part of reality. And uh, so the original question was, you know, uh, why did they, you know, say that uh, it was just part of the illusion, even the in-between life? Well, because it is. And uh, even then it's a dream. And then you dream that you're born again. And, uh, you know, Art and Persa do kind of like take me on a little tour of the uh, afterlife or the, what they call the in-between life. Because it's, you know, it's not really after. Yeah. Because it's, it's like A Course Miracle says, you, you have to remember the birth is not a beginning. And death is not the end. Mm -hmm. So it's really just a continuous dream until you wake up. And that waking up in, uh, you know, which is really the equivalent of enlightenment, you know, that is facilitated the best by the kind of forgiveness that is taught in the Course in Miracles. And it always comes back to that. But uh, part of that forgiveness and the understanding of it would be that everything that you're seeing that has any kind of a shape or a form to it would be, by definition, part of the dream that needs to be awakened from. Mm -hmm. And forgiveness ultimately is letting go, letting it all go, and that literally is releasing. So when you've released the attachment to the dream, which at at least at a subconscious level we're still attached to or we wouldn't be having it, we may think, okay, I'm done with this, I'm ready to move on. Okay, God, I'm still here, you know, that kind of thing. But at some lower level that we don't have in our awareness, we still do desire this. So when we truly have peeled the onion all the way back and finally let it all go, that's the atonement. That's the total forgiveness. Yes, and I would add that um, that letting go is certainly a part of it. Mm -hmm. But uh, with the Course of Miracles, it's also replacing what you're seeing with kind of like an attitude of knowing that everything is spirit. It's kind of like uh, the Course says, every place the Holy Spirit looks, he sees himself. Mm -hmm. And what we want to do is uh, not just, you know, think of things as being a dream and think of it as being an illusion. Yes, that's certainly part of it. But I'd like to add that we want to go all the way with this, uh, the way that Jesus did. What Jesus did was uh, he kind of like overlooked the images. 
It's not that he didn't appear to see them with his body's eyes. It's just that he overlooked them and realized what they really are. He thought of everybody and everything as being what they really are. Mm -hmm. So uh, the last thing you want to do is go through life uh, seeing everybody as an illusion because, of course, Miracles teaches that as you see him, you will see yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go through life seeing everybody as just an illusion, uh, then you will think of yourself as being an illusion, uh, in, which means that you'll feel empty and meaningless, and eventually you're going to feel depressed. So you don't want to stop there. You know, that's a good beginning attitude, but you want to take it a step further. And actually, in, with the Course, it's two steps further. And what I mean by that is uh, a lot of people who become advanced, they'll think in terms of like uh, the Hindu teaching of Namaste, which has been uh, translated into English as, you know, the divinity in me bows down to the divinity in you. Mm -hmm. uh, if it's true that as you see him, you will see yourself, which, which is true, then, uh, you know, that's a step in the right direction. But it's still too limited. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, you know, you're saying the divinity is in that person. And it's almost like you're confining it to that little speck of time and space. And what a great master like Jesus did was he thought of that person. He kind of like overlooked the, the body and then thought of that person not as just being a divinity in that body. He thought of that person as being all of it, you know, not part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, you thought of that person as being perfect oneness with God, which is the way that spirit uh, is really portrayed in A Course in Miracles. It's not portrayed as a, an individual soul or uh, any kind of personal existence. Spirit in A Course in Miracles is no different than God. It's actually the awareness of perfect oneness, which would mean that it is all of it, not part of it. So he would think of people as being not part of it, but all of it, uh, perfect oneness with God. And if it's true that as you see him, you will see yourself. And if you think of people as not being part of it, but thinking all of it, and thinking and seeing them as being all of it, then eventually you're going to experience yourself as being all of it. You know, you're, you're going to experience yourself as being not a part of the whole. You're going to experience yourself as being the whole. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the word holy comes from the word whole. Hmm. And that's why it's so important to not... Uh, kind of like go halfway with this. You've got to go all the way with it if it's really going to work. You've got to think of everybody that you meet as being spirit. And, you know, it's not that you don't interact with them in a normal way, uh, you know, in the world. It's just that there's part of you that knows that it's just a dream. And what they really are is this spirit that is perfect oneness with God. And if you think of them that way, then eventually you're going to identify yourself with being that as well. And so uh, that's why it's important to you know, kind of like uh, go all the way with this, you know, all the way to perfect oneness. So not to simply identify the darkness, if you will, or identify the illusion, and not even simply to release that, but then to allow it to be replaced by the truth, by the reality, by the perfection. Exactly. That's a very, very important thing that uh, most people leave out, and they don't understand after that why they're depressed or why they don't feel good about themselves. And the answer is you, you got to go all the way with it like Jesus did. You can't compromise on it. You can't uh, hold any one person apart from that. You have to think of everybody as being this perfect oneness with God, which is what they really are anyway. And as the Course says, you know, however you see them, that is how you will think of yourself. That is how, you know, you're going to determine your own identity, ultimately, and experience your own identity. Uh, because... If they're, you know, perfect oneness with God, then eventually you're going to experience that you're perfect oneness with God. You know, it's however you're thinking about them. If you think of them as just being, uh, you know, part of it, then you're, just, you're going to feel like you're part of it. 
And what is that? But the definition of separation, mm-hmm. you know, you're just part of it. That means you're not all of it, which means that you're separate from all of it. That's why uh, it's so important to go all the way with it like Jesus and think of, you know, everybody and everything is being this perfect oneness with God and this spirit uh, that is really something that's immortal and invulnerable and fearless and something that can't be touched, you know, by anything in this world. And it's really all of it. That's why the Course says right in the introduction, says nothing real can be threatened. Well, that would be nothing less than God. It would be uh, this perfect spirit. Nothing unreal exists. Well, that would be anything that has any kind of a shape or a form to it. And obviously in the uh, afterlife, uh, even the things that you see there uh, in your mind, they do have a shape, they do have a form, which means by definition that they're not all of it, which means that they're not real. And uh, it's when you replace everything in your mind with this perfect oneness that you allow yourself to awaken to what you really are. And the place to do that is not in the afterlife, because the direction of the mind is determined you know, by the work that you do while you appear to be in the body. Uh, you, you do not become enlightened in between these uh, incarnations. Uh, as the Course Mirror says, the, you know, the direction of the mind is determined by the thought system to which it adheres. So the place to take advantage of your forgiveness lessons and see everybody as being perfect spirit is right here and now, you know, with these opportunities that you have right in front of your face. That's the time to take advantage uh, of what you've learned. Uh, you know, that in-between period is an automatic phase, and uh, you're not going to change the direction of the mind at that point, because uh, if you haven't completely forgiven the world like Jesus did, then you're going to end up appearing to reincarnate. I say appear to reincarnate because you never really incarnate into anything. Even the body itself is just a projection that is coming from the mind, but it does look like you go into another body, and it does feel like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not here to say that that's not our experience. I'm just here to say that it's a false experience, because it's really very much like watching a movie, even watching our own body. If we hold our hand up in front of our face, that's a part of the same projection as everything else. And the more you think along those lines, the more you start to experience it as being that way. Let me jump into uh, one more question here, because this is kind of related to what we were just saying. And this one came from uh, your buddy Thomas, who met you apparently at Tustin Unity Church last year. He said you were a hoot. So uh, uh, Thomas's question is this, and it's kind of related to what we were just talking about. Uh, He says, on page 436 of the text, it says, any relationship in which the body enters is based not on love, but on idolatry. Can you give some insight into holy relationships, you know, beyond saying that minds join and the vision of the Holy Spirit is substituted for the body's eyes? I've read that in the text, and I don't get this. It sounds like another person, that is, another body, isn't required for a holy relationship. How does that work, Gary? That's with love from Thomas. And it's kind of related to the what you were just talking about. So, uh, yeah, what's the deal with holy relationships? Yeah, well, first of all, the, that page 436 uh, in the text, that was a bad page. So I wasn't uh, paying attention to that. But, uh, no, seriously, um, when it says any relationship that the body enters into, you know, it's not a holy relationship. That means about, you know, it's about your focus. You know, it's not that you're not going to see bodies with your body's eyes, apparently. Not that you're actually seeing with your body's eyes. You're actually seeing a projection with your mind. You know, as the Course in Miracles says, we are revealing mentally that which has already gone by. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't look like you're seeing them with your bodies and with your eyes. And you shouldn't expect, you know, anything different. Yes, you're still going to see people. It's just that now you're thinking about them differently. 
what that means is that uh, you're not thinking about them as being a body. It doesn't mean that you don't interact with them. It doesn't mean that you don't have a normal life and uh, do all the normal things that everybody does. Uh, spiritual sight is something that has to do with the way you think about other people. Uh, when the Course says, you know, you walk with the Holy Spirit or you walk with Jesus, what that means is that you think like them. That's why I just quoted a little while ago, I said, everywhere the Holy Spirit looks, he sees himself. What you want to do is, yes, your body's eyes will see that person as being there uh, in a body, but now your attitude has changed. You're thinking about them differently. You're thinking about them as being spirit. The holy relationship is where you have forgiven what your body's eyes appear to be seeing and replaced it with spirit, which means that the other person is totally forgiven because you know if they're not a body, then they haven't really done anything. What uh, most people do is they make the error real, they make what they're seeing real, and that's exactly the opposite of A Course in Miracles. What A Course in Miracles says is that instead of giving truth to our illusions, in other words, uh, instead of you know seeing the body and then saying that's true and that's a real body, what we do instead is we give our illusions to the truth. In other words, uh, we kind of like you know give up the idea of them being a body and think of them uh, in terms of being spirit, which is the truth. So it's really just a shift in focus. It's a shift in perception where you regard them as being spirit, and you realize that what you're seeing that that projection of a body is something that is coming from you which is a very important feature of uh, true forgiveness. It's like, you know, great spiritual masters like Buddha and Jesus, you know, they understood that the world was not being done to them, it was being done by them. You know, it was, it was not coming at them, it was something that was coming from them. Now, if the world is coming from you, you know, then forgiveness is justified, because you're the one who made it up in the first place. So now you can forgive people, you know, not because they've really done something, you can forgive them because they haven't really done anything, because mm -hmm. you know, you're the one who made them up in the first place. And so it's a different kind of forgiveness. It's, it's a forgiveness that comes you know, from being at cause instead of being at effect. You're realizing that the projection that you're seeing is something that you made up, which means that you can change your mind about it and say, okay, I made up that projection of separation, but now I can overlook it and see everybody and everything as being this perfect oneness with God that's a forgiven relationship, that's the holy relationship, because it would mean that that person is totally innocent. And you have to see everybody as being totally innocent in order to experience yourself as being totally innocent. Uh, I can't overemphasize that very important law of the mind in A Course in Miracles that we've already said. You know, as you see him, you'll see yourself. If, if you think of them as being a body, then you will think that you're a body. You know, because that's the message that's being sent directly into your own unconscious mind, because the unconscious mind knows everything. Right. And the unconscious mind knows, you know, that uh, you're not really a body, but if, if, you, uh, if you see it that way, but if you see them as being a body, then it will be translated into your unconscious mind, you know, that you're a body. However you see them, that's how it's going to go into your unconscious mind as a message about yourself. And uh, that's why it's so important. You know, to shift your perception to them being spirit. If they're spirit, they're totally innocent, which means that they haven't really done anything. You know, if they're a body, everything they did really happened. But if they're not a body, then nothing they did really happened. And then you can understand that nothing that you think that you've done ever really happened. That's why you're innocent, because you haven't really done anything. But the way to experience that for yourself is to understand that they haven't really done anything, and what they really are is spirit. 
And if you think of them that way, then eventually you're going to experience yourself that way. I remember that workshop at the Unity of Tustin. That was a lot of fun. I go there every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a lot of people who come every year to certain places. And, uh, you know, the workshop always changes a little bit. Uh, next year it'll change more because there'll be a new book out. And uh, it's always a lot of fun. The Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and presented by Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of this program is copyright Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. For further information about Gary Renard and his books and activities, please visit his own website, the one he named himself. That's www.garyrenard.com. This is Gene Bogart saying thanks so much for listening, and we hope you'll be here again with us next time on the Gary Renard Podcast where we always close out by saying, whatever the situation or question, forgiveness is always the answer. Well, I'd like to see death for all of my enemies. <laughs> well, there's forgiveness. Well, I, I, I hope by now that people know that I'm kidding when I say things like I, that. It, I don't know. Sometimes they don't know when we're kidding, but I knew you were. <laughs> Good, because, uh, you know, we, we do uh, have irreverent... Uh, things to say, not only in this podcast, but especially uh, in my workshops. <laughs>